And welcome back to a brand new episode of Translating Love. I'm Danny. And I'm Boyfi. Hi, Boyfi. Hi, Danny. Today we have a special episode for you. Um, we don't want to go into details because we will hear it like in a few seconds. But with everything that's going on in the US and basically worldwide right now with all the protests against uh, hatred and uh, uh, systemic racism, um, and the killing of George Floyd, um, we thought it would be nice to give someone else a voice um, and share his opinion and his uh, experience on it. So who we have on the podcast today, we called my friend Brandon from Milwaukee originally, um, where I'm from. We went to high school together and he lives in Minneapolis right now. So he's kind of in the heart of where it all began, it all began a few weeks ago. Um, and as a black man living in Minneapolis, but also growing up in a very segregated city in Milwaukee, he has a lot of insights to share. And he's he's just very, he's very lovely to talk to. And I think that our main point is that we wanted to bring some sort of knowledge to anyone out there who mm -hmm. doesn't understand what's going on yeah. and what needs to be done on yeah. our side. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's call Brandon. So on the phone, we have a very special caller from Minneapolis in Minnesota. Is that right, Brandon? You're in Minneapolis? Uh, correct. Okay. And Brandon and I met in high school and played in the jazz band together and, so a while back. and band so class. I might, have, I might have even met you then. Is it's that possible. possible. Yeah, it's possible because Voifi, Brandon, I don't know if you know Voifi and I met at Tosa East and his class came from Austria. Yeah. His English class came to my German class and they spent a few days at our school. And so he shadowed me. Basically, he yeah. came around and followed me around. So it's very possible he came to a band class and maybe you yeah. were there. But no way. OK, I didn't even know that. Oh, that's oh. pretty cool. OK. Yeah. So. First of all, thank you for being on the podcast. We're really, really excited to be able to talk to you. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And I don't know, maybe you can just start by introducing yourself and just a little bit about who you are, who Brandon is, and then we'll we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I'm Brandon Clayton. Uh, live in Minneapolis here in Minnesota. I'm originally from Milwaukee, which is where, you know, as Danielle alluded to, we, we first met uh, back in high school. Um, and, you know, I guess my journey has been somewhat interesting. I, I grew up in the city of Milwaukee, but I went to high school in the suburbs uh, in a city called Wauwatosa. And so I got to see, you know, the contrast between you know, how things were run in, in Wauwatosa versus how things are run in Milwaukee. Uh, but what's interesting, and I, I guess this kind of plays into the greater topics that we'll get into is like, I living in Milwaukee, I didn't realize that Milwaukee was one of the, is the most segregated city in America until I left Milwaukee, you know, um, and somebody else actually had to tell me that, like who did, doesn't live in Milwaukee because I was came to college in Minnesota and they were like, hey, oh, you're from Milwaukee? You know, Milwaukee's one of the most segregated cities in America. And I was like, no way. And I had to really think about it. And then the more you think about it, it's like, okay, the east side is like where the Latino community is. North Milwaukee is where, uh -huh. uh, you know, African-Americans and the uh, Hmong individuals are. And then uh, Wauwatosa is where white people are. And it's like, you, you, it's so normalized, I guess, that like, you don't even realize that it's, um, there's a thing, uh, you know, until uh -huh. you step outside of it. And I think that's kind of, you know, um, for the greater white America, sometimes it could possibly some of these institutionalized and, and systematic race issues uh, are, are so normalized. You know, the little microaggressions and these, you know, this and this and that, that some individuals may not even realize that it was happening until, you know, now mm -hmm. with COVID being what it is and, uh, you know, the world being at a, a kind of a standstill you're kind of forced to face 
the music of what's really going on um, and see mm-hmm. that like there are these injustices uh, that are happening. Um, but yeah, I, so that's a little bit about me, you know, and my background and kind of how, you know, I, even I was blinded to some aspects of what was going on systematically. Um, and, and now I've been educated and I'm hoping to try and educate others on, you know, the greater issues. How, how was that for you as a kid? So growing up, especially in the Tosa school system, I, because I'm the same, I didn't realize that that it was one of the most segregated cities. I didn't realize that also until I moved when I left Milwaukee. And I was also told that I was I was told like, oh, you're from there. That's and I hadn't really thought about it until and you're right. Once you leave, that's when you start to notice those things. Yeah. So how was it for you? like growing up in the school system and and especially in Tosa where it's a very very white area. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I was fortunate uh given that like the people that are out were in my class, I you know, uh, and some of the people in the class above such as yourself and then some of the people in the class below, but especially the people that were in my class seem to have more of a, you know, if if I like you, I like you and more of a genuine approach, you know, uh as much mm-hmm. as I would like to say that and not like to say, but as much as it would be convenient for this conversation to say that, you know, I went to school with a lot of, you know, uh, racist or whatever people, uh, that's not really the case. And it's become more and more prevalent with what's going on now, which I am grateful for, because so many people that I did go to school with have reached out, you know, have asked how can they help, have been sharing, you know, the information, have been going to the protests. And so I think it might be unique to, you know, the generation in which I went to school with where we kind of more so cared about the individual than the greater society. But uh, outside of those individuals, you know, um, there are obviously systematic issues, especially if you look at a city that's, you know, we're in the north. Uh, You you would think that the most segregated city would be in the south somewhere, you know, but for us to be in the north and, and, and to still be the most segregated city, there's obviously systematic issues, you know, the way in which we're policed and, um, you know, having run ins with the Tosa police or or the Brown Deer police or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. all these different uh, police, uh, you know, institutions. I, there's there's a lot of issues, but I think I, I have to say that I was fortunate to have grown up and to have gone to school with the individuals that I went to school with. But I still every day, you know, uh, was reminded that I'm still, you know, a black man with the black issues, given that. I grew up in the heart of Milwaukee, like where in, you know, for those who don't know, Milwaukee is, or at least when I was there, was top 10 in murder capital of the United States almost every year that I lived there, you know, Uh and uh, so going to sleep to, you know, gun shots and trying to determine whether it's a gunshot or a a firework, you know, and uh, hearing police cars all the time, you know, it's, it's, it was just the norm. Um, And it kind of speaks to... Oh, go ahead. Where in Mil? Sorry, where where in Milwaukee did you live? Uh, North Milwaukee, so not too far away from Washington Park. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I follow a couple of uh, black creators on on Instagram, and they have been posting obviously the last couple of weeks a lot, um, and about their experience growing up and and how they experienced racism and and all the all the stuff in their lives that is uh, obviously different to uh, white people experience uh, there childhood and one thing that stuck with me was like um he he said that uh he remembered the day his father and him sat down and he had the being black talk or or being black in america talk so uh, i have a question like is that a thing or or how did you came across that issue or how get you taught like that there is something you have to look out for or uh i don't know because it's it's it you know, as a white male in, in Europe, you don't, you yeah. just have no, no whatsoever idea of that. Yeah, we, I've definitely had that conversation. I remember in, in uh, I think it was first or second grade, I was doing a paper on Martin Luther King. And, um, you know, my mom, through t- having conversations with my mom about Martin Luther King, she, you know, laid out how life in America is different for black people. And uh, she talked about how my A, is equivalent to my white counterpart C, you know, so basically saying that I have to work harder in order to be, you know, quote unquote, taken seriously and to achieve, you know, 
the the heights in which I feel like I should be able to achieve. And then I remember getting to middle school and, and high school and like really having to decide what whether you know when you when you're black and you're you know you can speak proper English and and um you know you care about your academics. Uh, it's it, a lot of people like to say, "Oh, you're the whitest black person I know," you know, and, and which speaks mm-hmm. to systematic issues and, and uh, yeah. preconceived notions about what it is to be a black person in America. But when you're in middle school and you're going through an identity crisis, you know, as far as because everybody who's in middle school goes through that due to puberty and whatever, it's hard to understand. You know, am I what type? Am I really being black right now? Because they they're saying I'm not black, you know, and uh, whatever. And uh, am I being too good in school? Am I actually even smart? You know what I mean? You go through so many things where mm-hmm. you're trying to like compare yourself to your black counterparts as well as compare yourself to your white counterparts and figure out where can you fit and is it acceptable to be smart and is it acceptable to be, you know, achieve certain uh, academic, you know, accolades. And I don't know, it's, it is, it's very difficult to navigate and especially in Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee's rated one of the worst places. I think it's number one worst place for a black male to grow up. Um, and, and I mean, there's so many, you know, we had Scott Walker for however many years and he has done <laughs> nothing to help the uh, educational system. And then we have, you know, where there's poverty, there's crime. And so and because crime is a byproduct of poverty, of, of poverty. Um, and so it's so there's no pro there's few programs that are designed to try and help fix the poverty, poverty situation. There's, you know, our educational system continue to crumble, you know, through the time that I was there. Uh, and there's just like not enough resources. We are policed. We're we're jailed at a high rate. We're suspended and, and uh, expelled at a high rate. And then you have all the influences telling you what it means to be a black person in America, which are uh, in a lot of ways, you know, toxic uh, 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 preju- prejudice. You know, like to say, oh, you you don't sag your pants. You don't you know speak in a in a weird way or like speak with slang, a whole bunch of slang and. You know, you're actually good in school and you know how to articulate yourself. So you're not black, you know. And so now you're trying to figure out, am I black or not? And so I don't know. It's uh-huh. it's it's really difficult to uh, try and navigate that, especially as a young man, um, you know, and a lot of individuals who don't have, you know, a, a positive influence and or role model in their life don't know how to navigate that properly. Um, so there's I don't know. It's just a lot, man. But to answer your question, yeah, I did have that conversation. And so do just about every other black person have that conversation about what it is to be black in America and how things will be different, how you have to interact when you, if a police is, you know, asking you questions, uh, how you can't, if you go into a department store, people are going to follow you. Don't look suspicious. You know, if you go in a department store, don't want to buy anything. How do you make it known that you don't have anything on you, you know, uh, and you're just walking out, you know, cause they'll try and say that, Oh, you stole something. Uh, just because you went in and didn't purchase anything when that's kind of like a normal thing. No, not everyone goes into a mm-hmm. store and walks, you know, and actually buys something. So I don't know. There's just so many things that you have to think about and so many uh, instances and, and interactions where you have to question, you know, the intent behind someone's, you know, stare, intent behind someone's question, intent behind someone's quote unquote compliments. Uh, it's just it's it's a lot to, you know, have to go through every single day. Yeah, it's it's uh, as I said, it's it's insane. Especially in Europe, you you don't have an idea as, as a white male uh, living up in uh, growing up in this privileged, uh, sacred country. As, as, I mean, especially Austria, and you have no idea like how it it is in in like in America. Mm-hmm. And America is like a from like the outset this great country with, with those amazing opportunities, obviously, and and we always like at least a couple of years ago we always saw it as like this this awesome thing where we want to go and and i don't know maybe make a career or even just like have a great holiday and like i don't know from the outside america always seemed like this this awesome place and then obviously you meet those people and you you have you experience their 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 i don't know you you hear their experience and you all of a sudden see okay there's way more behind all of this uh yeah talk and it i don't know it just makes me sad it makes me so sad to to i don't know to hear that to to read things like that and to because it hits me hard because i i mean we don't have any knowledge of that yeah we don't get 
any 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 like well especially where we are we're in the very very small town yeah. we live outside of a bigger town but it's still pretty small yeah and where we are think wauwatosa times 50 in terms of how many white people there are i i don't think there's maybe two black yeah. families that yeah. live in yeah. our town yeah. and and what's what's so insane to me is that even with everything happening right now with the protests in the US yeah there are some protests happening here for the black lives matter movement but if you talk to anyone over the age of 40 maybe yeah, yeah. even even in their 30s people think that the only problem going on in the US right now is the covid yeah, stuff yeah. and that the protests that they're hearing about are for the virus yeah. because that news is not coming here. No, Everything the... about Trump comes here, but yeah. only in regards to yeah. what he says about the virus. Yeah. And it's it's pretty insane to me the amount of, or I guess the lack of the lack knowledge. Of knowledge, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's it's a basic lack of knowledge that should not be there. Especially, I mean, we in in, in Europe have this history of uh, World War and then all that stuff that went on and especially there we should be more aware of of like uh injustices and 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 like system system systemic racism like that and it's it's happening here too under the covers obviously but uh, it's just yeah it's it's just heartbreaking um but that kind of brings us to the next thing like uh like growing up uh with friends and like relationships uh how i mean there has to be a difference obviously but but how did you experience like differences or 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 did were you like in a, a friend circle where they all were like uh, i don't care what you look like uh, i don't know because i guess children especially can be mean or mm -hmm. or cruel i don't know yeah i think that uh like i said i the even before all this happened, you know, when I went to, when I came to college, the number of people that like would tell me, oh, I'm so glad high school is over. I hated everyone I went to school with. And I didn't have that same experience, you know. Um, and so I, I, it kind of baffled me that so many people really hated where they went to school because at, at Tosa East, for better or for worse, you know, obviously we still had some issues, but overall it seemed as though it was like a, you know, like a community where you could kind of be who you were and I, you know, I was, uh, mm -hmm. I was, uh, you know, in the band. Um, I was, you know, in academics and all that. But you know, people still kind of accepted me as me, and um, you know, I didn't have to necessarily feel like I had to. I think in by like sophomore year, I felt like I got got comfortable with who I was, um, and after that, people just kind of like accepted it. So I think Tulsa East might might be different than other schools because I, I don't think it was the same at Tosa West. I was going to say, I bet the I bet the experience at Tosa West was very different for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, I really don't think it was the same at Tosa West. I think Tosa East was just unique. And, and even just uh -huh. like the years that we were there, because since we left, you know, there's been a bomb threat um, and a lot of other things that have been going on over there. So I don't know what's been happening since we left, but like the little three or four year period where we, you know, were there in our... our um, classmates were there i feel like we were in a good spot so i like i can't mm -hmm. complain from that standpoint um because i, th I feel like we just had a, a safe safer community at at tosa east the years that i was there now since we left it's been different at tosa west it was different you know at uh other schools it was different uh within the milwaukee public school education system so not Tosa but milwaukee you know it's it's way different the educational quality is subpar at most of the schools um, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of things that are going on outside of, you know, outside of Little Tosa East when we were there that are problematic. Um, but when we were there, it was, it was, it was pretty okay. And, and like I said, the people that I went to school with have all reached out. I've seen, you know, a lot of people going to pro protests that have, uh, been, you know, they'll ask me, how can they get involved? I send them a link to donate and they actually donate, you know, um, and and such as Danielle, you, she has me on this interview right now to uh, you know spread awareness over to Australia or Austria, sorry. Um, and so I think it, it I was fortunate, but uh, not everyone has that experience. And uh, I think that is the bigger thing that we need to get to is that um, there are a lot of 
individuals who are in positions where they don't feel as supported and they don't feel like they have as many allies uh, walking amongst them um, who they can turn to to remind them that, you know, there is still some good in the world. Um, but during this COVID time, I feel like or during this uh, this recent protest, what has been the most I guess encouraging is to see the number of people actually using their platform and vocalizing and saying like, all right, we really need to put it into this. You know, uh, I mean, w this has been happening in, in America for 400 years um, from, from to varying points. You know, obviously we've made some progress, but when you really look at it to say that it's 2020 and we're still being killed, uh, you know, by police at, at such an alarming rate and to see that like black people are locked up you know, for 20% longer sentences than white people for the same crime to know that, yeah. uh, you know, black people, a black person with a clean record uh, is less likely to get a job than a black per than a white person who has a felony, you know, and to know, you know, if you, if I turn in my resume and you turn in your resume and my name sounds black and your name sounds white, you're more likely to get that job, you know, uh, looking at redlining mm -hmm. and the effects of that and how, you know, they have blocked us out of being able to purchase real estate um and and uh make it more difficult for us to obtain a loan in order to buy properties you know that just to see how many different ways we've been systematically oppressed it, it's it's bigger than just my particular you know uh good story or bad story about how i grew up it's it's an issue that has been affecting mm -hmm. a lot of people and continue to affect us um you know as as the years go by and so until we actually take a stand which we have been uh, recently, and I'm hoping that we can keep our foot on the pedal and keep going uh, until we make a stand and we actually make, you know, recompense for the wrongs that we've done. Um, this this will continue to happen. Um, I mean, you addressed uh, basically systemic systemic racism already and the oppression that's been happening since ever forever, and basically. Um, and I recently watched the movie The Thirteenth Amendment, and um, and as I said, I, I, I'm not super, like, I have not a big knowledge about all that stuff that's going on. Um, but it, it, it also hit me hard that a system that was basically uh, built on slavery uh, took basically the, the, the slavery away or, like, is the follow-up to, to slavery and it, it got built and, and changed and, and somehow modeled so it still, like, sounded kind of like okay, it's a good thing, but in the end it's not. It's just basically the same thing, but in just a slightly dif different way. And then, as you said, the the the, uh, the problem with uh, black people being locked up way longer for crimes that shouldn't be even a crime or, or not even... I mean, even, even things like, like having marijuana on you. Yeah, yeah. There have been countless numbers of cases yeah. of black men being arrested and found with marijuana on them and they do like 15 20 years yeah. for that yeah. and a white guy is like oh yeah it's just don't do it again yeah um yeah and that, as i said it hit me hard um because it's a yeah it's it's reality it's not something that you would think it is but it is and it's it's horrible yeah, yeah and it's it, it, and to speak to that it's um that's data that will never be able to be captured, you know, so we can only go off of how how the sentencing goes down when someone is sentenced. But the number of people that like throw a house party with a bunch of underage, you know, individual, I'm sure every people like most people in high school went to a party where there was alcohol. And uh, some of those people went to a party where the cops came a lot. Of, in a lot of instances, I feel like when it's a, you know, a party with a bunch of uh, white individuals, the cops come, they just tell everybody to go home, no arrests, you know, but if that is a bunch of black kids, all of them are getting arrested. Um, and so the, because there's no way to capture that data of how many people are able to get away from, you know, or get let off with just a go home, you know, I know your mm -hmm. mom, just don't, you know, just don't do it again. You know, there's no way to capture that. But even just mm -hmm. if you look at the data of, you know, how, when we are, when people are arrested for the same crimes, we go to jail for longer sentences. And then you look at the war yeah. on drugs and, and how, you know, number one, they put drugs into our community. You know, the, like we didn't, what is, uh, what bothers me about, you know, conversations about, you know, black on black crime and the war, on, you know, and drugs in our community and all those things. We did not, we don't have connections to get guns and drugs, you know, at, at the rate in which they were 
being found in our community. You know, like we don't, we're not connected to, you know, El Chapo or some cartel or somebody that can bring in drugs and, and uh, guns. So in order for those, all those drugs and guns to pop up, somebody had to put it there, you know, and, and then, uh, so those drugs and guns come in, you know, they st- work to get people start getting hooked on these drugs. Uh, and now you have destroyed a whole nother generation in community. And then you bring in the, the police to arrest people for being on drugs and using these guns. And so now you have a whole new prison industrial complex uh, stream that is that's coming in where a lot of individuals are getting locked up. And then the black men are getting locked up at a higher rate for these things. And when they go to jail, now that leaves, uh, you know, a family that is without their their father in the house. And so now you have a generation of individuals who will now have a new set of trauma and, and issues due to the fact that they don't have a, a parental, like a, a, a father figure or a positive male role model in the house to help lead and guide them. And so it's just like, it's so systematic mm-hmm. in the way in which, you know, every mm-hmm. little piece connects in, in order to keep us uh, systematically oppressed, you know? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then when you get locked up and you get a felony, you are now uh, not able to vote. So it impacts our ability to uh, change Mm -hmm. the world from that standpoint. And then you're also not able to get a job, uh, you know, or not a good job. And so in order to try and provide for your family now that you're out, you know, if you got you only getting a job at McDonald's that pays six dollars, seven dollars, eight dollars an hour. That's not going to cut it. So what so what do you do? You go back to what ended up getting you in jail in the first place, because that's the only way you can make quick money. You know, it's. It's uh yeah it's really unfair and uh, and until you unpack all the things that go into the behaviors in which you know people who are you know built on survival and and forced into poverty um in in, in many instances until you get in, down to the nitty gritty of why are people doing these things and then you look at the systematic ways in which that lead them to doing those things you know the conversation is never going to progress um so I'm I'm just glad that I think those conversations are starting to happen where people are understanding, like when you leave people and you abandon them and you uh, systematically oppress them, they are going to have to try and find a way to survive. Uh, and so now there are a lot of companies who for whether or not their intention is to just like keep the heat off of them or whether their intention is truly to help. But you have a lot of companies who are now trying to invest into the black communities and uh, community development programs and things like that. So. Uh, I guess that's a good thing, but that's only happening because we have been protesting and rioting and doing all these things. In your Instagram video, when you went, I think you did a live video and then you posted it later, you had said something about, which I totally agree with, how these things tend to happen and people get on board for three weeks, four weeks, and it slowly throughout those three, four weeks fades away. People stop using their voices. They stop donating. They stop protesting. And it seems to disappear for at least for white people. And we become desensitized to because it happens so often, we become desensitized to it. Do you feel like, do you feel any different this time around? Do you feel like were it's more powerful in the sense that it won't be that three week scenario i i feel like it i feel like this could be different and the reason why i feel like that is because you know obviously week one happened and then week two the uh you know government came in and and brought in national guard and all these you know different unions to try and bring back peace uh but then in week three i think i want to say this is uh going on week three now um, they're, they painted the sidewalk or they painted the street to say Black Lives Matter in, in uh, D.C., mm-hmm. you know, and then there's been new legislation. There have been uh, a lot of people putting pressure on organizations to get involved. You know, there are uh, now more conversations being had on, you know, nationally. There are more countries that are joining the protests and, and showing their support. So I feel like we have uh, we're approaching passing the point in which most people start stop caring uh, on a general basis. And so, and but people are still starting to care. Um, so I think that this is different. And and even just like you know, since we've been around, there have been countless number of uh, individuals who have been killed at the hands of police. You know, unarmed. And 
during those times, a lot of times, you know, some people will post do a post or whatever, may go to a protest and then that's it. But this time there have been people who, are, like I said, have reached out to ask questions, ask how they can get involved. You know, there have been people who have like talked about how they've had a lot of uncomfortable conversations with their family members who are racist or have inherent bias. And they're actually like doing it, you know, uh, as opposed to just kind of talking to, you know, black people and saying like, oh, yeah, this is so messed up. But now they're actually bringing it to their family and their sphere of influence. Uh-huh. And and so I think that is that's a different thing than what has happened in the past. And so I, I, I feel more hopeful for this, uh, that there will be some changes that occur that are more um, permanent um, than I did about any other uh, protests that we've we've had in, in recent history. I think it's also the the uh, sheer amount of, of people worldwide going onto the streets uh, during lockdown, during mm-hmm. uh, basically they're not allowed to go to the streets, but they take it to the streets. They protest for a cause that is coming from America, but it's, it's a worldwide problem, I think. Um, and it's it's really powerful. I mean, in Vienna... There was 50,000 50, people on yeah, the streets. 50,000 people. Um, Australia, a lot of people, and they yeah. have a massive issue with racism too. Um, and I think it's really powerful. And I think that, that that shows that like the majority of people want change. It's enough. We're at the point where it's 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 been enough for a long time, but we're mm-hmm. at a point we have to fucking change something. Well, and I think the fact that it's election, it, like the elections are yeah, sure. right around the corner, yeah. I think that that's also going to be very beneficial because the whole thing is still going to be so fresh in everybody's minds where it's not something that happened last year or two years ago where the presidential election maybe wouldn't have affected, been mm-hmm. as affected mm-hmm. as it is now. It's and everything. with the virus, there's still, in, yeah. in the US, there's a lot of quarantine still happening and stay-at-home orders. And so the mail-in voting is a lot more like you see that in almost every state i think now where they have mail-in voting which i think is going to get more people to vote Hopefully, which yeah. Is, yeah. is i think one of the best things that could happen yeah yeah and i think along with that even beyond the presidential election i think more people are starting to try and are, are starting to understand that your local politics work i mean are yeah. just as important if not more important than the national. Not more. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that as long, you know, this is my only thing is that as long as we are able to keep our foot on the pedal through through the year, well, forever, but, you know, at least through the year, I think that we will be able to start voting people out of office who have been problematic, such as like Mitch McConnell, Trump, you know, uh-huh. uh, Rand Paul, and, you know, a lot of those other individuals who have been problematic and have blo- been blocking progress for long periods of time. You know, it's it's my hope that we will be able to get them out of office if we can keep our foot on the pedal uh, for long enough to start getting people to vote and not go voting according. You know, one thing. So I recently attended a uh, an event for a vigil for um, George Floyd, and one of the speakers said, "You know, you can you can uh, come out and protest. You can do all these things, but you have to when you go to those polls." You have to vote according to if you really care about the black community and the communities uh, that are have been underserved, then you have to vote according to the the individuals that are going to put their needs, you know, uh, on the forefront. And so it's one thing to say, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and to say, like, you care about all these things. But when you vote so that you can get an extra three hundred dollars on your check instead of voting for someone that is willing to, you know, are looking to implement changes within the communities or inner city communities to bring better education, more programs for youth to get off the streets, uh, you know, uh, more access to better health care, more access to uh, better food options. You know, if you're not voting for someone that's looking to make that a priority, then you're still hurting the cause. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's important for people to understand that it, it, it requires your vote as well as your marching uh, and your protesting and your donations. Mm-hmm. Do you, this is kind of, I mean, the whole thing is a sensitive topic, but the question in general, I think, is a bit more sensitive. But in terms of the the police departments and the regulations on hiring police officers and training police officers, do you think that there needs to be 
or or should there be some sort of change in terms of do like they need to start fresh with new police and new and new people in the departments or there needs to be more regulations where you know just like in the food industry somebody mm. comes and inspects there's inspections to make sure everything is up to code do you think something like that needs to be happening in the police departments yeah i think the see the problem with the police department is that you know it the, the the whole policing structure was not implemented until after slavery ended you know and so they came up with this concept in order to police these now freed slaves uh, and so because that is the foundation of the you know whole police structure they there has to be a new foundation and a new it has to be reconstructed you know um because that the whole purpose of the police department is to police black and brown individuals it's not really the police you know the majority uh, and so if that is your purpose and that is why you were created then you will always operate out out of that you know out of the way in which you were created to to operate so we have to come up with account number one accountability chains that as you were alluding to that uh you know enforce that these police departments are not uh you know usurping their authority that they are also abiding by the laws because a lot of times they will you know, overstep your rights. And then when you challenge them, they will just arrest you and tell you you're resisting arrest, you know? Um, and so uh -huh. you have to, we have to get rid of that. We have to get rid of demilitarize the police. They don't need uh, no, to, access to tear gas yeah. and all these yeah. other things. Um, we need to yeah. basically put in policies to where it's de-escalation de training and then ensure that they are abiding by that prior to using any type of, uh, unnecessary force or deadly force so if you're not actually if you're showing up on the scene and immediately pulling out your gun and shooting someone like they did tamir rice then that is that is not okay you know you have to at least try yeah. to de-escalate and and it's interesting that they seem to understand de-escalation tactics when the assailant or the individual you know uh, you know that they are trying to bring down is white but when it's someone yeah. black they don't seem to understand or want or care about that and and i think there has to be you know, I, I've, I've read that, you know, the implicit bias trainings are, are not necessarily that useful. But I think that in addition, if you combine that along with these other things I've talked about, where they understand like, wow, I actually I don't know why, but I seem to be more fearful when the person is black than I do when it's a white person. And, you know, to try and start challenging that some people obviously are just uh -huh. racist and they just don't care. But like for the people who actually just don't understand and they just uh you know, there's that's why it's you can't say everyone is racist because there are individuals who just operate from the system in which has been in place. So the system tells you that black people are dangerous and black people are criminals yeah. and all these things. And so you will develop, you know, in your mind that, uh, you know, reactions to seeing a group of black people or reactions to seeing a black man with a hoodie up or reaction to seeing, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, so you will automatically instinctually think like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be in danger just because you see a black person, because that's what the system and that's what the uh, media portrays us to be is, is these criminals. But uh, once uh -huh. we can start to deconstruct that and stop painting us as criminals and stop painting us as these people who are just out to cause harm, uh, I think it, that will do justice in trying to change the narrative and trying to change like the way in which we're being policed. I agree. I think a big part of of the whole of the whole thing is is changing the mindset and changing the the overall. Um, um, I mean, it's the whole thing, the whole system, but obviously the whole belief that a certain type of 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 skin color uh, tells you something about the person or whatever. You know, this those whole uh, beliefs or make beliefs that in some places are basically already trained in childhood where you get this like hey you don't you're not allowed to go there because or in this neighborhood because of blah 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 so i think if 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 that starts to change and I, I see it already especially with younger generations who are not only believing what the media is telling them but also look into that and researching and also twitter and and the whole all of the sources where they can get a better look at a certain topic and a broader, especially broader look at the topic is that they're changing their mindsets and like, okay, this issue is much bigger than they tell us or, or, or the other way around. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that, that makes me hopeful. That makes me hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we, I think just hearing people, especially, 
you know, not just black people, but white people saying defund the police and, uh, you know, deconstruct the police. Like hearing that, it, I've never heard anyone say that, uh, you know, especially not in recent history to hear people like actually making that a statement and making that like a, a, a legitimate push. And then seeing while, you know, New York, they took away one hundred fifty million dollars from the police department. They're going to reallocate it to the uh, you know communities of color. Now, New York gives billions of dollars to the police department every year. So that's a very small fraction of, of their overall budget. But, you know, it's a start. And so uh, it, but it's important for us to not take just to start as good enough, you know. So I think that's why uh-huh. we have to keep our foot on the pedal because uh, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, wow, New York gave us $150 million. Okay, that's good. You know, but like you have to look at the bigger picture of, uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good start, but eventually they need to take away the mili- the budget that's buying up these military equipment, you know, and, and whether or not uh-huh. they reallocate that to, you know, training and, uh, and do an investigation. Like there are tests that you can run to see which police officers are more likely to commit a, uh, you know, to abuse their power. And then there should be, you know, a, a standard in which if a, a police officer has a series of, uh, you know, abuses of power or complaints that he should be fired. You know, like you, yeah. you should not like if you're in a position where you have, you know, the possibility of affecting someone's life, you know, positively or negatively, you shouldn't allow be allowed to continuously make mistakes uh, or or not even mistakes. Just continuously do things that are, you know, overstepping your authority. And so until we put something in place like what they do with the doctors, I mean, doctors are held to a high regard because they can literally kill someone. And if they are if they do kill someone, they are disba- disbarred or disbanded or whatever, and they're fired and they may even go to jail. Um, but that's not what happens with the police because they have these police unions which yeah. we need to get rid of. But that's another story. Um, um, a lot of people, uh, especially here, uh, have almost no knowledge about all, the whole system and then how it works and especially how uh, how bad it is for black communities. Uh, maybe you, you have some like uh, uh, topics that they can look into or like, uh, I don't know, documentaries or just some books or anything that you can recommend that they can just look into. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would number one the documentary that you talked about uh, called Thirteenth on Netflix. I would recommend. Uh, but number two, look up the War on Drugs. Um, look up the uh, Cointel Pro. You know the way that they were monitoring all black movements and uh, you know making plans to either break it up or or kill the leaders that are in in charge of leading the black revolutionary movement. Uh, look up redlining and how we've been blocked out of, you know, being able to purchase real estate. Uh, look up the school to prison pipeline and how that has uh, really impacted a lot of uh, bl- black men, especially. Um, look up statistics around the rates at which black people are, are locked up. Um, you know, look, I don't know, man, there's there, there's so many things that you can uh, research to, I guess, educate yourself on. Um, yeah. what's really going on. Uh, and I guess those are a few. I, I'm sure I could recommend more uh, if I just thought about it. But yeah, I think that'll give you a good start, at least to see how we're being impacted, you know, uh, from a, you, they, say, they say that the only way to build true wealth or one of the main ways to build true wealth is by through land ownership. And w- mm-hmm. because of the redlining thing and all going all the way back to uh, the, I think it was called reformation, uh, which was uh-huh. post-Civil War. You know, when they Abraham Lincoln granted us our land and then he was assassinated. And then the president that came after Abraham Lincoln, I can't remember what his name is right now, took away the land uh, from the uh, former freed slaves and gave it to slave owners. And then in addition to giving them that land, they uh, paid them like, I think, nine hundred dollars in for lost property. And that property was slaves. And then the slaves that did have that land. Uh, and had to give it up were given the option to be sharecroppers. So you hear about sharecroppers. And so they were able to work on the land for a really low, low rate. Um, but like that's the beginning of, of a lot of families wealth. And that's the beginning of a lot of poverty in which has stricken the black community. And then you look up like, you know, when we start to build up again, like through the civil rights movement, then uh, you see that the, 
they assassinated Martin Luther King, they assassinated Mar uh, Malcolm X, they yeah. broke up yeah. the Black Panther Party, which was formed to as a combat to the KKK and the police brutality that yeah. we were experiencing. Yeah. Uh, and so uh -huh. them doing all of that, you know, to like it, every every group needs leaders and needs leadership. And when you continuously kill our leaders and you or you continuously bribe our leaders or do whatever, it, it makes it hard for our community to come together. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. We've we've been attacked on every every way and look up Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, and how they the military bombed this affluent black city where there, we had doctors, we had banks, we had lawyers, we had everything that we needed to have a strong community. And they 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 came in under false pretenses and, and like murdered everyone. Um, and then look up how they like even in St. Paul, we had a community called like Ron, the Rondo community with affluent black neighborhood. It was an affluent black neighborhood. They ran a highway through the a neighborhood and broke up that whole community. And so like it, this happens all the time where we start to build up something and we start to finally like, all right, we're going to come together and we're going to finally overcome and we're going to, you know, utilize, string together our resources to build something great. And then they do something to just break it all up. Um, so it's hard. To, yeah. Like I said, it's hard to really actually overcome and it's hard to really band together when you are being monitored at such a high rate and you're being policed at such a high rate and then you're being uh, sabotaged at such a high rate in, in every regard. So, yeah, I think those are some things that will, if you are, you know, for anyone that is interested in understanding, you know, the black plight and how we've had to, you know, continuously fight just to make it to where we are. Uh, I think all of those things that I listed are, are some things to get you started in trying to understand. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I guess just before we end, we wanted to just ask if you had any final thoughts, anything that you want people to know or that that needs to be said from either your standpoint or just as a general standpoint if you have any final thoughts that you want to put out there i think if i had a final thought it would be you know just understanding that we really do just want equality and peace you know um we're not you, do you think somebody would want to complain about, you know, like a lot for the people who believe that racism is fake or that we're just, you know, crying about nothing? Do you think that we would really want to complain about the same thing for 400 years? You know, like we really just want to live our life and be at peace and, and not have to worry about all of these systemic uh, issues that uh, face us. Uh, but until we get that, we have to continue to make our voices heard and we have to continue to push for change and we have to continue to, you know, overthrow systems that are in place that are not, you know, being fair or equal or equitable. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just important. And that's the reason why we say Black Lives Matter is because we're not being treated fairly and we're not being treated equally. And we are being, uh, you know, blocked at every hand anytime we try to progress. And so it's not to say when we say Black Lives Matter that all lives don't matter or that, you know, any other demographics lives don't matter. But it's to say right now, our lives are being, you know, blocked at a much higher rate than most others. And so until that is cleared up, until we finally can get this unity, you know, uh, that this we're supposed to be the United States and it's, and we're not. And until we can become the United States and, and achieve the dreams that we promote and that in the images that we paint to the rest of the world, um, until that happens, we have to continue to fight and we have to continue to, um, you know, make sure that this country lives up to the reputation that it portrays itself to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Could not have said it better. Yeah. Thank you. Um. So... I guess on that note, we will we will end it. Um, if you have any um, specific charities that you particularly particularly want people to donate to, or that you think are, I mean, they're all important. But if there are any that stick out to you, um, you can let us know that too, and we can link it. Yeah, we'll link it in in our podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of now that there's so much steam going on about like, uh, you know, reform. There are a lot of uh, what are they called petitions that are out there as mm -hmm. well, trying to whether whether it's to remove someone from office or whether it's to, uh, you know, reopen a case where they clearly just overlook the evidence, such as that one young man yeah. who, uh, you know, was rolled up in a mattress and or not a mattress, but in a mat and had his organs taken out and they just said he committed suicide, you know, like reopening a lot of these cases 
to actually bring about some type of justice, you know, there's a lot of petitions uh-huh. out there. And so I'll, I'll try and send you those as well as, you know, places in which people can donate uh, just to, you know, at least try to contribute to bring in some justice. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time and your voice. And we, we hope that our questions weren't ignorant in any way. We just, we want to, we want people to be more educated about it. And yeah. especially because we have quite a few listeners in Austria and Europe in general. Yep. Uh, I think that's another where people here are just uneducated yep. in what's going on. And so just to, to have you on really means a lot to us and we yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for doing this. Just to say it again to you, although we as white people can never fully understand what you face every single day, we stand with you and you're heard and we're listening and you matter. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. means a lot. Thanks again to Brandon for sharing his time and his voice on this matter. And we so much appreciate all of that. And we hope that anyone out there listening has maybe a better understanding of what's going on. And all of the things that he recommended, we also highly recommend that you look into and look up to educate yourself because that's a very important thing that needs to be done right now. Going to the protests is great and sharing your voice that way and being a voice on social media, but donating and educating yourself yeah. on the problem is is so powerful. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Yeah. Basically trying to get rid of the root of the problem and uh, yeah, not only fighting the cause. And for those of you in the States right now, vote. Not just in the presidential election because sure that makes a difference but as we said it makes more of a difference in your local elections yeah. they are important do yeah. not blow them off they're so important yeah for your sheriff department for your governor for your mayor all of those things they your state officials they it matters yeah, it and matters. it makes a huge difference yeah. so go Use out vote or do the mail-in ballot if that's what you have but do it vote And thanks again to Brandon um, for doing this. Um, And please share this podcast with everyone, uh, with friends, family. Um, And if you can, please give us a review. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll also be sharing some some links to where you can donate. Yeah. Um, And we urge everybody to do that, even if it's a small amount. It helps. Thank you so much. And yeah. Until next time. Bye. Bye.